Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi everybody, it's Stephen Jones of the Sunday Times and welcome to the fairest cape in all the world. We're broadcasting almost under the shadow of Table Mountain in Cape Town where last night in Cape Town Stadium the Lions lost the final match by the narrowest of margins and therefore lost one of the most bizarre series that was ever played. Before we go on to that, I thought you'd like to know as our valued and much-loved listeners that this is the 125th consecutive weekly podcast without interruption for COVID or for any other reason that we've done. Going back nearly two years, almost since the end of the 2019 World Cup, we're very proud of you for staying with us. We're very proud of our attempts to uh, to bring rugby to you. Today, in the under the evil eye, I'm sorry, under the eye of... Mike Vovel, our producer, we have Stuart Barnes safely back in his native West Country and Owen Slot safely in a huge hotel up the road from me in Cape Town. Guys, first of all, you, you have been involved in this podcast for so long and this is the last in the series. What are your main memories of the podcast? Having to get up on a bloody Monday morning to do it, Owen, or... Have you got a wider view than that? No, I think the main memories are um, of you trying to sort your microphone out, of uh, of Lawrence getting stuck in Devon, which apparently means where, where there's no Wi-Fi to uh, to get onto the uh, podcast, uh, of Alex Lowe always knowing more about rugby than everyone else, and um, and Barnsley getting getting more calls right than than anyone else, which I found slightly annoying. You, would, yeah, you well, did me on Barnsley. You completely did me on, on the scrum half, I think, didn't you? We're not going to go back over Barnsley's, the things no. he got right and wrong. No. That's for sure. But Stuart, you've been a loyal podcaster, a loyal rucker. What are your memories and how does it compare with your stellar broadcasting career with Sky? <laughs> um, the rehearsal time was slightly briefer uh, on the ruck. Uh, the dress code was more relaxed. And having the occasional glass of wine to hand uh, was preferable. I've got to say, Steve, every now and again, some of your introductions lacked a bit of Alex Payne's fluency. But other than that, I think we've done a, a magnificent, earthy job on relaying rugby and how it's played and how it should be played. 
Thank you. And again, thanks to all our all our listeners. Can I interrupt that? Jones, I'd have you over Alex Payne any day. Well, so would so would I, but you know, it's up to Manzi. I did ask him a question. What about Mrs. Jones? Was she? Um question, I'm not so yeah. sure about that, actually. Anyway, the Lions, Owen, we were there perched up in our way up in our um well, I thought it was just a corporate box without any corporate luxuries in it. Uh, looking down at one stage and looked all over that the Lions would win. In the end, they couldn't do the job. What are your memories of last evening in Cape Town Stadium? Well, I've just gone away with this um, this heavy heart, just feeling or, or not really feeling, knowing that it was an opportunity missed. The, the Lions were the best team last night, I thought, and that, that you can say that's ridiculous because they didn't get didn't make that look at, that way on the scoreboard. But I thought they were the better team, and they had the more try scoring opportunities and they, they blew them. Um, and I feel that we'll know that forever. They weren't, they weren't outplayed yesterday. They um, were victims of their own inaccuracy. And, and I think I'm sure we'll have another uh, part of this conversation will be about what happened after 10 minutes when Dan Bigger went off and Finn Russell came on, because that suddenly changed the picture. And it just made you wonder about not only just the lines, but about international rugby and, what it can be like, because it doesn't have to be the way it was before. I think that's, that, that's, that's very fair. I think I'll agree with that as well. I, I, I still have this horrible nightmare of Tom Curry, just as the lines were about to dive over, taking out uh, Sia Khaleesi two yards in front of the ball when he had no need to, and the Lions were just picking their spot to score at a time that would have put them something like 16 points ahead. Stuart, uh, how did it look um, with your practised eye uh, from, from back at home? Ugly again. I mean, before Finn Russell came on, the Lions were one out, plodding, going nowhere, driven backwards in the tackle. He came on and he played flat. And all this bull about you can't take on the green wall was shown up to be the nonsense that it is. If you have players prepared to put themselves in the right position, then you can offload passes, you can provide little chips, you can do all sorts of things. Rugby can be played. But to do that, you have to have the ambition. And there has been a dramatic lack of ambition on this tour on the side, on the part of both South Africa and the Lions. Had the Lions won this series, they would have been lauded as heroes. They shouldn't have been. They were poor. Uh, South Africa have won. They ain't going to be heroes in my eyes. Uh, The one thing I would say, it was um, an incredible finale and a brilliant uh, decision from the South African management to bring Mornay Stain off the bench. This was a series where errors were in the predominance. And knowing that, they brought Stain on. Pollard had an indifferent day with a boot. The 37-year-old, who is no longer anywhere near a test match rugby player, kicked two nerveless goals. And to do what he's done over a 12-year hiatus is quite an astonishing story. I think he's a very, very lucky man because he just happened to be out there. And in all the years I've, I've watched him, he's been a positive drain on the spring yeah. box. And he's, he's a, a very, very lucky man to have been there just for those bits. But I'd also say this, uh, I'm not um, um, claiming any, uh, not d- disparaging anyone here, especially Stuart, but these Lions are heroes. They would have been heroes had they won. They are heroes to me because I was here and people at home were whinging about this and that. The Scots endlessly whinging about not having their players in the team, 
when actually they were lucky to have the ones they had. It, this was an absolutely nightmarish tour. The guts it took, the, the application, the sacrifice it took to be in the same camp with the same people every day of the tour, being trapped as if you were on Robin Island. These guys, their morale, their spirit, their togetherness, and their, their friendships have been absolutely wonderful. They have saved the Lions because to have no tour for eight years would have been a disaster. It would have given the Lions management pathetic, useless creatures that they are, no chance to keep the Lions going. And there's a, a frail thread which has been kept going between the last tour and the next one by these heroes under Warren Gatland, Alan Wynne-Jones, Finn Russell, they've been absolutely tremendous. Oh, I love that. Didn't you like that, Barnsley? That's Jonesy off a long run-up. That's all well and good, but the Lions played unambitious rugby, as, as did Steve, mate, You weren't here. You weren't Steve, here. You Steve, I saw the rugby. Listen to the Razzie Erasmus horrors. He should he should be banned for at least a year from the game. You didn't you didn't experience what was going on here. The pressure that that they were under and both sides were under. Without Manu Tulagi, without George North, the Lions did the best that they could do. I don't mean to play the the Ben O'Keefe role of referee here, but but you're both right. I mean, Steve, yes, it's it's been a bloody awful tour, really. It has, and we and we know it, and everyone's made the most of it, and everything you said is true. But but also, Barnsley, you're right that the Lions didn't look like the greatest group of players ever to come out of the Northern Hemisphere. They looked far from it. And Finn Russell showed us what could be, and that for me, you 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 cannot you cannot deny that that truth. He came on when there was nothing to lose and showed what he could do. But again, you've got to remember the Lions were on a hiding to nothing because they did not play, they played too few games anyway. They didn't play a single game before the Test match that could tell them about themselves, about their combinations. They had to keep shuffling people in Buggins' turn. They had no opportunity to put a test a test side together. The first time the test side played together was in the first test. That is a shocker, and it was caused by a COVID and the an opposition that the Lions played that wouldn't have got in the premier in the Premiership or the Championship at home. And Gatland and the team had no idea about their players coming into the first test match. They weren't grooved in, they weren't proven, they hadn't played under pressure, and he had to guess. Steve, hang on, though. South Africa weren't in a parallel universe playing the All Blacks in Australia as a preparation. They had a game against Woeful Georgia. They had half a team out, South Africa A, against the Lions, where the Lions, had they known their team, could have picked that way. They didn't play for two years and they had an even worse outbreak of COVID within their camp. They had Dwayne Vermeulen not there. They had Pollard injured for nine months. They had Khaleesi with COVID. You know, we, South Africa suffered every bit as bad as the Lions and were even rustier than the Lions. So, Hey, they um, had a grooved in team without, with no changes since the World Cup. They knew exactly what each of them could do. Yeah, but Steve, they had to have no changes since the World Cup because they hadn't played since then. They've missed, well, they've missed, they've missed a year and a half. Are they going to make any now? They're not going to make any changes now. This is their team. 
Well, they, they, they knew exactly what the team was and exactly what they can do. And to say that they, they were as affected as badly as the Lions is nonsense. Well, they, they've missed out on a year and a half of player development, which the Lions have had. So um, they, that, that's the reason they didn't have well, any new players. The Lions only just got together. Yeah, but they're, they're international players have been playing international rugby. They've had like 12 international games since the World Cup. Yeah, for uh, different teams. Uh, yeah, but so players were still developed in the international arena. I think we'll um, have to beg to differ, boys. I, I, I also think, um, I also think when, you, when you look at that, uh, that Springbok team, so the, okay, one point, I think it's, I think it's uh, incredible that they managed to pull off this series win despite the number of players that they were losing. They were far more hit by injury than the, um, than the Lions were. But, but on the other side, I, I do go away from this game wondering, sorry, I go away from this series wondering about rugby and about the gamesmanship that the South Africans were allowed to get away with. The number of times that they went down on one knee, um, uh, apparently injured, uh, we will never know how many of their players were injured. But but their um their gamesmanship to slow down the game and take it take the tempo away from the Lions, I thought was uh, was shocking and uh, a terrible precedent for the game. The the referee, what could the referee do? You can't go to an injured player and say I don't believe you're injured. So he just he just had to, he stood over the players, effectively saying you've got to get up as fast as you can. He 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 shooed away a couple of um water carriers who came on the pitch at an unnecessary time. But still, the Springboks still managed to abuse the uh, spirit of the game by slowing it down unnecessarily. And he didn't shoo everybody off because when the when the Lions are, are the Springboks are defending in their in in goal area, only about five meters behind play is a mic'd up so called water carrier mic'd up to the idiots up in the up in the the uh, coaching box screaming at the players. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. And um, yeah, at, at one stage, one of the Lions players clearly shouted to the referee, come on, ref, they're taking the piss, which is exactly what they did. Yeah. I, I won't, Steve, I'll disagree on a few things, but the cynicism of Erasmus and the management, I am in 100% agreement. You're absolutely right, you and Owen. What, um, what, can rug, what can rugby do about that? I mean, you know, we're, we're not slow to criticise world rugby, but what, what can you do if a player goes down on one knee and says, I've hurt myself, when he hasn't? Well, the, the management can't go on. I mean, let's be honest, Neil Jenkins has been doing this forever for Wales and the Lions, and he's not going on and saying, how's your hamstring? He's going on with messages. So everyone's doing it. England have been doing it. We know it happens. I think, you know... You're relying almost to a certain degree on good faith. Now, that sounds stupid in professional sport, but I've watched a couple of Olympic sports in the last few weeks where people actually do perform in good faith. And rugby is moving at the highest level towards too much cynicism. And I I think, Steve, it it reflects itself in the uh, Erasmus video, in the way um, Eddie Jones comports himself before and after matches, we're seeing this as a theme uh, in large parts across the world. And the game has to look at itself and world rugby has to come up with a way to make it, um, uh, how should I say it, uh, to, to really penalise those that come up with it. And I think the box are getting away with something very wrong. And it's not just South Africa who are getting away with it. I think it damages the game. 
it, it does. And um, I mean, what you could do, I mean, in football, they hated the idea of people diving and, and staying down. But I think that if it's not a leg injury, you should be taken to the touchline and treated there. It's also complicit and completely against their code because the medical people are clearly complicit in it. And that includes doctors. And they really should get people to the touchline, stop, stop the match, get them to the touchline, start the game without them. If they can come back, they can come on to play later. Then you might find, like footballers, magically they jump up and sprint back onto the field. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Lions' first driving mall completely um, shattered the Springbok pack. They scored at ease, I think, with probably about four Lions around the ball against none. What would possess Tom Curry later on when the Lions were about to do exactly the same to do what he did? Tom Curry, uh, who I think is a very fine player, had a dreadful test series uh, that... The English bug of unnecessary penalties was with him in the first test. You might look at just the sheer number and say, did that cost them? That moment yesterday was horrendous. I I, I don't understand. I mean, this is something we have to go back to, to England and how they perform. The mindlessness of so many penalties in this year's Six Nations, it flowed over. Uh, it happened yesterday again. And for the light... The, the Lions had had 10 minutes of, of high-tempo, aggressive rugby where they were stretching them. Uh, we know about Liam Williams. He had his own brain fart, but they got a penalty afterwards. They went to the corner, a great kick from Russell. 
Uh, and, and you're just thinking this was the moment, tight test matches, this is the moment you have to strike. And the Lions, as you say, Steve, they had South Africa spread-eagled. And I, I don't, the only person I think who will know why he did it is Tom Curry. And I fear even he might not know. And I was talking to someone last night after the game, and I think I've long said he, he's hailed as a great player and he's got great commitment. And I'm not going to turn around and say he's not brilliant, blah, blah. But I've always said he is not England's best number seven. When he's fit, that's Sam Underhill. And this is hindsight, I'll admit that. But I was just left thinking, you know what? Curry's played all his best rugby for England, I believe, at six with Underhill at seven. And he played this test series as a seven and he lost his bearings. Oh, and, um, just a little slightly more of a general view. Who have you uh, believe? Who do you believe to be the best Lions on this tour? Who showed true world class form? The Lions player of the series to me was undoubtedly Marrow, um, who was um, uh, truly world class in the first test. Um, led the fight in the second test and in the third test, I thought he was, he was pretty outstanding as well. He 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 he's a standout player. Courtney Laws is the is the other forward who really really excelled. Um, uh, you got to remember Courtney Laws was the thirty seventh member picked to tour. They were going to go with thirty six, and then they decided to add him at the last minute. So um so that was a, a good move. And then and then you look at the back, Steve, and again it sort of as a slight overview of this um of this tour. You're slightly scratching your head for for really outstanding performers. You know, I would say that. Finn Russell was, but he only played 70 minutes. So does that quite count? The, of, of the backs, the, the, the outstanding performer was Robbie Henshaw. But over three, three test matches, how much uh, impact was he actually able to have? I mean, that tells you how tight the, the series was, I suppose. But uh, he, he was the standout of the backs. Stuart, um, you agree with those? Or was there anyone you saw um, operating yeah. you thought was at a higher level? No, I, I think Owen's pretty right there. As for Robbie Henshaw, what could he do when, when the Lions have got their fly half 10 metres behind the gain line? Not very much. Yesterday, he was even more influential. I thought Henshaw was by a distance uh, the pick of the of the three quarters. And I would say it, it's a massive indictment of the Lions management that they came up with three different pairs of centres in the series. I don't care what the reputation of Warren Gatlin, the selection there was garbage. Um, Elsewhere, you have to look to the forwards. Maro Atoje was uh, stupendous in the first test and bloody outstanding in the other two. I thought the one thing that uh, where this series soared to the heights of world class was the battle between Atoje and Etzebet. Uh, neither gave a yard all the other game. I, I know Etzebet postures now and again, but he is an incredible rugby player. And I thought that battle was spectacular. I thought Courtney Laws was glorious in the first test, quieter in the second, very good in the third. So like Owen, I thought he was really good. And the one guy I would mention, and I think having criticised Gatland, I'll praise him here because a lot of people were saying Falatau must come in. Um, I thought he recognised how well Conan did when Conan never really had a platform from the front five in front of him. To, to use his his sort of uh, fleet-footed running game. I thought he was, in a quiet way, excellent. And I think he merited a start in all three games and he'll go back a better player. Oh, we're just coming to, uh, um, just after we record uh, the rut today, 
uh, we're going to listen to two members of the Lions Committee, Jason Leonard and Ben Calverley, uh, actually almost for the first time uh, in the whole season. We heard nothing from them when the tour was struggling, nothing from Jason, that great convivial former prop, but a, an abysmal choice as manager of the Lions. Uh, and as I said this morning, the Lions should really be looking at Ben Calverley to see if he is up to the job of chief executive, because neither of those two have changed anything. We are still bickering with Premier Rugby a week before the tour starts. We still have no rest and recuperation for the Lions between the tours. All they care about is getting the bung in for Australia in four years' time. Um, we, we will be hearing from Calverley before the rut comes out, but what do you hope that they, both of them in the future, uh, do which direction? I hope they both go right away and get some serious officials in. Um, I think you've answered the question there yourself, Steve. They, they've been um, they, they've been absent. I mean, they 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 have they're the they're, they're the the leading figures of of the of the Lions, but they've let the players and the coaches become that. Uh, they haven't stood up and and made a noise for the Lions. They haven't um, uh, had any um, uh, shown any any public form of leadership. Uh, uh, yeah, they, um, they've been absent. So you want them to go? You know perfectly well that they won't unless someone tells them to. So what, what do we what, what do we need them to do? Well, we need them to make sure that the lines is a um, properly respected outfit from here on in. I mean, and and that covers a lot of things. You know, it's it's the number one brand uh, in world rugby, arguably, and it's not treated that way. There's so much that this that the lines have and so much that they don't use. Stuart, um, it, it seems to me that you went in 93. It seems to me that nothing has changed in terms of preparation, the amateurishness of some of it, it that since, you, since you rely on yourself. Yeah. Um, what has changed, Steve, I think, is the, the essence of the tour. It, it, the test matches were the pinnacle, but the other games really mattered. Now, I don't blame anyone for what's happened on this tour because the pandemic is out of everyone's hands. But the game, as the three of us know, has been shifting over the years to becoming almost exclusively about the test. Um, the Lions have got to fight. If, if this is to, the Lions are to survive, they have to survive as a touring party because when Owen talks about them being a brand, that brand is, is something almost antiquated. It's different to anything else. And to say, right, suddenly the Lions to be like the All Blacks and just say we're about the test matches, then that's the moment when Premier Rugby will turn around and say, well, hang on a minute, is there a place for it? There's a place for the Lions as they stand, but they've got to do more than talk about the myth of the Lions, and they're not doing that at the moment. In fact, you know, the management are not doing anything, and, and I don't know right now whether the Lions are... Um, a cosy business cartel or whether it's uh, a sporting crusade around the world. In 93, Steve, it was a sporting crusade. You know, there were like, 13 games or something and every game mattered and and towns were packed. And, and, and you know, it, it's what I think it's why I don't want to speak for you, but it's why you love the Lions and, and what it's about. That small town magic. 
and that has gone. And when that goes, and all you're left with are the brittle shells of three unambitious test matches, then someone like me who hasn't been on tour, like 99.9% of people are going to go, so what the bloody hell was that all about? And that's the question. And I, I, I don't think in the professional age, the Lions have got any better at doing anything other than really looking after, at times, vested interests. We, it, we see the same names, don't we, year after year involved with the Lions. And I think, was it you, Owen, who said already the first thing they're looking to do is get a maximum bung for Australia? I think rugby right now with the Lions is a masquerade for a business that does very well. Thank you very much. I totally agree, totally agree, and I, I find it disgraceful. And uh, they should now be tomorrow ringing Australia to say we want uh, a, a certain number of provincial games. If you cannot guarantee in every provincial game up until the test match that, uh, that they will be their full sides, well, we're not coming, we'll play Samoa, Tonga and Fiji on the way down, and they should start rattling the Sabres and say, right, don't worry, if you don't want to do it, if you want to do it on your terms... We're not coming, so stuff it. Steve, Steve, can I just say, say something there? You're, you're making it sound as, a, as if this should be something that, that they're, that they're um, uh, forcing upon the opposition, as if Australia or South Africa or whatever would be opposed to. But, but the fact is, as Barnsley said, if it's going to become just about the Test Series, then the five games leading up to it are almost irrelevant, which is what we've found here. So... If if you're Australian and you're trying to sell the next test, sell the next Lions series to TV broadcasters, then you've got two options. You could say we've got three three great big tests and some irrelevant build-up games, or we've got three great big tests and a really thrilling build-up series. So surely it's in everyone's interest to make sure that those build-up games, or whatever you want to call them, are genuine matches too, because then people want to tune in. Who would have wanted to have tuned into the to the games before this test series? No, you're right. But the thing is, the, the, the great the, the elephant in the room are the national coaches. Anyway, this, Owen, um, we've got a long journey home now. Our options to avoid the scrum and awful treatment at Heathrow have come through in some way. You're going to Switzerland, I believe, to learn yes. how to yodel? Y- yeah, so um, so we've got 10 days quarantine and we don't want to spend it in a Heathrow Ibis or whatever it is. So, yeah, um, yeah so so I have uh, elected to do the Swiss option. It's a, it's a bit like the film, That Great Escape, and we're, we're all like disappearing in different directions and we don't know who's actually going to be able to get home in one piece. And there's, there's going to be a couple of casualties on the way. So um, I'm deciding to go through uh, Switzerland because um, uh, we, we know they're pacifists there and I'm, I'm likely to get out alive. I'm going to go and hide up a mountain and decompress for a few days. Um, and uh, yes, and, and learn to yodel, as you say. Uh, Steve, are you getting the feeling Owen is somehow linking himself with Steve McQueen? Are you going to hire a motorbike, I, I I always had that in mind. Yeah, um, I could see it. Yeah, I've got I've got my I've got my little bit of wire to run across the road for when that guy in a motorbike comes along. <laughs> He's um, Stuart. When we're off air, I'll tell you his new tour nickname as well. But um, <laughs> anyway, I'm going on. Uh, it's very complicated. What's the name of that airline? Um, not Gulf Air. Um, Emirates. Oh no, we went on to Qatar, Qatar. Doha, then Paris. And then we're going to be let into Paris, hopefully, with all our certificates. 
and then we're going to go to France for our for our, so. What do you want to do? Eh? The south of France or the Ibis? I know I know which I prefer. Did so, you say you're um, going to Rennes, Steve? We're going to Rennes. Yeah, you're 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 in the far north of France. Yes, we are. We are. No, we're in the far north of France. But um, we've also found that next week, Van, a plane Ren, in a in a curtain raiser for the season. So, of course, being as professionals, we're going to go along there. Van, it's interesting. I, I don't know if you guys noticed the uh, France-Australia series, which is really interesting, mainly from the view of uh, France playing a second team and getting doing well. Uh, Van's fullback. Uh, Playing pro deux uh, was in the French team, and it's nice to see. Can you imagine someone oh. from the championship making the England team? It tells you a lot about French club rugby, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. Okay, well, um, I have to say that after this um, huge uh, run of the ruck and weekly rugby, and also coming out here with a small group of journalists and, and battering our way through, I really loved it. It has not been easy in S- South Africa. Uh, absolutely staggered to read that the host broadcaster for the radio out here didn't deem it worth coming out but and, and uh, portrayed it as a entry into the jaws of hell, which it wasn't. I love this place. I love South Africa. Uh, it's been described by South Africans as a broken country. Well, hope it mends itself. I also hope that their hierarchy remembers some qualities uh, which they've not shown on this tour. Uh, how would you sum up the season... Uh, Stuart, uh, we've we've been uh, campaigning for ages. Are you looking forward to some time off before the next rugby? Well, I'm hopeful. I don't know, but there, there's there's issues going around, aren't there? I, I think world rugby. I'd be looking forward to writing in the next few weeks about world rugby and where they're going. Um, their hands have not been steady on the tiller at all. Uh, they've let the international game go away uh, and it is a big concern. Something needs to be done there, but not this bloody sort of 50-22. They tinker to atone for their other stupid yeah. things. Yeah. They, need to, they need to sit down and broadly think, what are we trying to do? I think the game has to look to be more than just about... I, I know, Steve, you think it's all about winning, but, I, you know, I... I know it sounds crazy, but I watched the Olympic Games and I watched these kids skateboarding and they celebrated their ambition and their balls to go for the spectacular. And it took some of the Olympic viewing to to new levels. Right now, our coaching level is uh, celebrating the ability to win by doing absolutely jack. And this is no way for the game to continue. And... um, well, I do take some time off. I'm not going to be thinking about the Lions because to me it was a, a, a bit of a nightmare. Didn't enjoy it. Um, I'll be thinking about Harlequins without their head coach, without somebody overriding everybody, without orders coming on for the water carriers left, right and centres and how they, Bristol, Exeter and Sale, produced a great weekend of club rugby, which superseded the Lions tour by a long way. So... That's my good memory. My concern is world rugby has a, a massive a massive shift to get the international game back on track. Owen, well, you, your memories, uh, can you stomach the idea of going back to cover rugby shortly or have we had enough for now? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed that you're going to go and see Van next week. 
I've I've looked at the um, the fixture list for the Grindelwald Rugby Football uh, Club, and um, uh, they're, they're, thankfully their preseason hasn't started yet, so I, I'm free of that. Uh, okay. Uh, no, I, I, I'm happy to, to to step away for a bit. I I, I just sadly I, I I find I'm agreeing with quite a lot of Barnsley today. It, we, we, there seems to be an acceptance that the international rugby can't or, or doesn't have to be or isn't. Uh, a great entertaining spectacle. It's it's about who who uh, who who's ahead at the end of the game, and uh, and and as Barnes he said, the club rugby at the end of the Premiership showed something completely different. So that, that, that's something to think about. Well, um, that's just a couple of highlights, Steve. Um, my favourite politician, Cyril Ramaphosa, the uh, uh, South African president, when he lifted the uh, the booze ban and the curfew. Oh, what yes. a what a politician! That's yes. what a politician should be like. Um, He's visionary. Yeah, he is. He, 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 I'll, 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 I'd bring him home anyway. Actually, I should probably have saved him up for my God of the Week. I've gone too early there. And um, can we now go on to, before we go on to the God of the Season, I'm just going to say rugby's a great game and the new season is coming up. And I hope boys and girls, mums and dads, old players who, who, who stopped, uh, new players who are thinking about it, get out to, to your rugby clubs because that's where the heart and soul is. Uh, we always we probably forget that. I hope my maiden hen, Iron Maidens ladies, have been training hard in my absence. Uh, I'll be cracking the whip as soon as I come back, figuratively. Uh, but rugby's a great game, and go to your rugby clubs wherever you are, England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, and uh, enjoy the rest of the summer. Owen, I'll start with you. God of the season. Well, I, I've got a couple, and they go hand in hand. Um, uh, they are uh, Marcus Smith and Finn Russell. Um, just attached to the previous conversation, I think uh, rugby is a game that people are often looking at and wondering: uh, is that, is this for me? Is it? Does it look? Does it look fun? Well, I tell you, those two make it look fun. They make it look magical. And uh, Finn Russell, seventy minutes uh, yesterday in the Cape Town Stadium, he, he showed showed what rugby can be like. And Marcus Smith did that at the end of the season. So um, those two great players. Two good gods there, Stuart. My, I've got a couple, a pair go not hand in hand, but fist in fist. I thought it was a, from a distance. I thought it was a desperately uh, a poor line series, but I thought those giants, Maro Otoji and even Etzebet, uh, produced one of the great second row battles of any lion series, and and both of them are, are gods of the week for me. Uh, on a global level, I would say Antoine Dupont. I know France didn't win the Six Nations, but he was brilliant throughout. And, you know, uh, English viewers might just remember the European Cup final and the French final. But all season, he was magnificent. And he steered the great Toulouse club to a European and French double. And, you know, for doing that, when Toulouse play well, France play well. When France play well, Steve, then we've got another big yep. player in the game. And I think, I don't know about you, but we need France, don't we? So someone who can ignite them is vital. So Dupont is my overall god. The two sort of battling demons, Marrow and Eben. Okay, mine's obvious, actually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extend it to god of the decade because the Lions are incredibly badly run. You've only got to look at yesterday's game, the last 20 minutes, to see how unbelievably difficult it is to win these games. 
some people back at home in the UK and in, in Britain and Ireland are actively acting against the Lions. It is a savage assignment. This one was particularly savage. But for keeping the thread going, my decade god is unquestionably Warren Gatland. Without him, the Lions would now be in jeopardy. Without his battling, often not backed up, uh, they'd be struggling for their identity because they'd just, as Stuart said, be some sort of cash machine for other people. So in the sadness of a test defeat and a series defeat, don't forget the man who got us to the fringes of it. That's it from, from the ruck. We're going to have a quick run round. Thank you, uh, Stuart. Thank you, Owen. Boys, for all, all your insight. And in your ca- case of you both, it's, uh, it's been brilliant this year. Lawrence, thank you. T- thank you, too. Oh, sorry. Lawrence? Um, anyway. <laughs> He's in Devon. <laughs> we should also say uh, thank you to Mike, our producer. He's got 23 jobs now. Let's wish him well in all in all of those. Thank you for listening to The Ruck. Thanks to everyone who's followed us through the year, either every week or whenever you could. Please keep an eye on the, the social media and our own outlets, The Times and The Sunday Times, and we will announce when the new season starts. It'll be good, it'll be different. Stuart, Owen and I will be back, among other guests. God bless, look after yourselves and keep the faith. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW.